For decades, milk has been fueling women marathon runners as the OG performance drink. And in the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers takes us on a journey of self-discovery as she meets several groups of empowered women runners to find out what drives them, what fuels them, and what pushes them to go the distance. And in the process, she learns that she too can be a distance runner. You can watch the series at runningsuckstheseries.com and register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Hey, I'm Sam Sanders, and you are listening to Intuit from Vulture. This week on the show, we're going to Wakanda. Get in, losers. We're going to talk about Black Panther. The sequel is out, and of course, it's a big hit. But I'm going to be honest here, I did not love this movie. We are going to hear from two movie critics with two different takes on Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And they're going to tell me how to feel or at least how to be okay with my feelings about the film. But first, a game. We're going to play Into It, Not Into It with one of those critics, one of my favorite critics, my colleague Angelica Jade Bastion. Angelica, hello and Wakanda Forever. I'm not saying Wakanda Forever. Hello. (laughs) You just did. You just did. You know what? Oh, gosh darn it. You got me. Um, thanks for coming on the show in spite of the Black Panther of it all. We appreciate you. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're always happy to have you here. Um, spoiler alert, you, like me, didn't love the film. We're going to talk more about that in a bit. But first, let's start the game. It's called Into It or Not Into It. I share a few stories from the week, some pop culture zeitgeisty things, and you tell me if you like it or not and why. At the end, I'll tell you if you won or not based on how much I like your opinion. (laughs) All right, let's get to it. First option, first question for you. Angelica, are you into or not into the AMC movie theater chain partnering with Zoom to host like work all staffs via video conference. Not into it. What the, who the fuck thought that was a good idea? (laughs) Okay, Zoom. Okay, AMC, whatever. Weirdest timeline we're living in right now. So Variety wrote about it and they said, quote, as hybrid work becomes more commonplace in North America, AMC and Zoom hope to enable companies with decentralized workforces and customer bases to meet for cohesive virtual and in-person events. So basically, if you're in an office where a lot of folks are working remotely, if there's a big, like, all staff, all hands, you can, like, go into your local AMC and, like, sit with other colleagues from the same town while you watch the meeting on a larger screen. (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like some version of hell like there's a pocket of hell that that is you literally walk through a door and then you're in an amc living a meeting on a loop or something like that that sounds like really bad all right so you're not into this but i am wondering angelica what other thing would you not mind watching in a movie theater besides a movie oh wow it's funny the first thing that jumped into my head Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to scratch that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Now I got to know. Now I got to know. Well, cause, no, because I was like, you know, porn. But porn is movie. That's a movie. It's just like not. It's just not, you know. Different kind of movie. Different, different kind, kind of, movie. of movie. 
Um, what would I be cool with? <laughs> Nothing. I go to movie theaters for movies. That's it. Um, you know what I would do? <laughs> I would watch award shows in movie theaters. That actually could be cute. Right? Like, imagine if, like, you do the Oscar pool with your friends, but then the night of, you go to the theater to watch the Oscars on the big screen in a room full of people, and there's, like, an MC, and there's, like, that could be cool. Yeah, that could be cool. I mean, you're still watching the Oscars, which kind of sucks, but, you know, sure. <laughs> All right. I think we're both in alignment on that one. Although I would watch the Oscars at a movie theater, I would not want to watch an all staff. Sorry, Vox Media, who employs both (laughs) you and I, Angelica. (laughs) All right. Moving on, Angelica, you have written a lot about celebrity and what it means in this day and age. And I really want to hear your answer on this one. Are you into or not into Leo DiCaprio's birthday party guest list? He turned 48 recently, and the following celebrities were in attendance at the party. Tobey Maguire, Bradley Cooper, Kate Hudson, Rami Malek, Ashton Kutcher, Mick Jagger, Jamie Foxx, LeBron James, Adrian Brody, Casey Affleck, Nikki Hilton, and Rebel Wilson. You into that party? That's a lot of white people I do not give a fuck about, so no. (laughs) But Rami's up in there, LeBron's up in there, Jamie's up in there. I'm so good with not going to that party. First of all... (laughs) First of all. (laughs) First of all, Leonardo DiCaprio would not want to go to any of his parties. Thank you very much. Fuck boy energy. Fuck boy energy, right? It wouldn't be uh, the right... That's not a kind of vibe I seek to align myself with as a woman. So not my kind of party at all. I'm I'm good staying my black ass home. I will say whenever there's a party where, like, Jamie Foxx is around, I kind of get excited because I just want him to, like, go to a piano and sing. Yeah, that would be nice. Right, right. But there's still, like, like, Tobey Maguire is going to be there. I don't want to. <laughs> Wasn't he in the Pussy Posse? Yeah, the Pussy Posse. Yeah. I remember that, Leo. Don't. <laughs> Some of us are old enough to remember. Not your girlfriends, obviously, but, you know. <laughs> all right last question for you are you into or not into billy mcfarland of firefest fame trying to firefest once again that's just like no i'm not into that like go away why is this person even someone i know exists you know what i mean you know yeah, I'm into it if only it gives us another Hulu documentary with Ja Rule in it. <laughs> that was fun. What, what a weird event in time. Yeah. So here's the backstory. Here's the backstory. Billy McFarland, who got in a bunch of trouble for the debacle that was Fire Festival, he, got, he had to go to jail for a little bit, too. He is planning another event in the Bahamas. This time he's calling it a treasure hunt. But as soon as this was announced, the deputy prime minister of the Bahamas issued like a proclamation saying, oh, hell to the no. (laughs) They said, Billy is not welcome here. Uh, The deputy prime minister even called him a fugitive. Oh, my God. (laughs) Can I read you some of the statement? It's iconic. Okay. And I quote. McFarland was the organizer of the Fire Festival several years ago, a notorious charade for which McFarland was convicted and sent to prison in the USA. The government of the Bahamas will not endorse or approve any event in the Bahamas associated with him. 
He is considered to be a fugitive with several pending complaints made against him with the Royal Bahamas Police Force. And here's the kicker, Angelica. Last sentence says, anyone knowing of his whereabouts should report same to the Royal Bahamas Police Force. (laughs) They said, if you see something, say something. Uh, Wow, that's embarrassing <laughs> like for them what a what a sad terrible life like go away what celebrity would you most trust to promote a festival oh if none not of John them Rule? none of them none Ab- of them no what no. if beyonce was like come on to oh, beyonce fest? no no i wouldn't no wait why not because i see who she's married to and i don't trust her <laughs> <laughs> If she promised to keep Jay Z out the cookout, would you would you yeah, sign up sure. for it? Sure, I've heard that before, Beyonce. <laughs> okay, uh huh. No, I don't trust celebrities because I don't trust the rich. That part. Say it again. Say it again. On that note, <laughs> you win. <laughs> you win for speaking truth to power, Angelica. You have won the game. We should also know at the time of this taping, we have just found out that Beyonce, who we just mentioned, has now become the artist with the most Grammy nominations, I think, of all time. Yeah, that's wild. Or she's tied. She's tied with Jay-Z. Oh, my God. (laughs) Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docuseries, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! (laughs) I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong, and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. (laughs) I can't even say it without laughing, because, like, who would have thought? 
Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. All right, Angelica, can we pivot now? Yeah, of course. Okay, I want to talk to you about Black Panther. Wakanda Forever, this is a new Black Panther movie. And I want to start with a little story of how I experienced it. Um, I went to an advanced press screening of the film because I knew that I was going to talk about it on this show. And it was one of those screenings where it's just like a bunch of journalists who cover this stuff in the room watching it before the official release. And I ended up sitting next to another entertainment journalist who I know. And so when the movie's over, of course, we lean over to talk about whether we like it or not. And both of us, for like three or four minutes, talked around saying Mm. that we didn't love it. We were afraid to say that we didn't love this movie because of, you know, the mythical power the Black Panther franchise has on the culture. So I want to talk about why I feel that way with you. But I also want to talk to someone who is in the minority with me you didn't love this new one either did you (laughs) in the minority um (laughs) we are yeah you know what but time will prove me right because it has continued (laughs) to prove me right with all these like movies by black directors who i review poorly and people are telling me oh i'm so against the cold blah blah bullshit and then a year from now, none of y'all are talking about the damn movie. And I'm like, well, I guess it wasn't that good of a movie, was it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's just get into all of it. Tell us uh, tell us your biggest gripes with this film. They're in the review, which everyone should go read on the Vulture website. But in a nutshell, give us your critique of this film. So I begin my review by stating basically that the burdens upon Wakanda Forever are the kind of burdens no one film could bear because it's tasked to do so much that it's impossible to do any of it well. And it just ends up being a very pallid, poorly constructed, not a disaster, just a disappointment. It's Hmm. Give us the list of all the responsibilities this film had, in your opinion. Sure. So there's the most obvious one, obviously, is giving... Chadwick Boseman, a beautiful memorial given his passing. And so with that comes a lot of expectations, but also the need to introduce a new Black Panther in a way that's respectful, introduce Namor and this whole uh, a whole new kingdom of people of color who are hidden from the world. You know, Marvel loves those. Um, and then it also has to be an entertaining sequel to a billion-dollar blockbuster that is very, very beloved within Black culture in a very specific way and is considered one of the better entries in Marvel's ongoing canon. That's a lot. You know, but I will say this. Whenever I got to a moment in the film where I was like, I am locked in, I am living in this space and I like it, they'd move on. So that beautiful scenery and world building around the funeral itself and the white costumes. That was too quick, yeah. It was lush and gorgeous and I wanted to stay there, right? Or the moment when we see Angela Bassett's character talk openly about grief and how it feels to lose her son. I would have taken like 
10 or 15 more minutes of Angela Bassett doing a meditation on grief because it's Angela Bassett, right? But then we move on. And when they introduce Namor in this new Mesoamerican world of indigenous people, I am enraptured. But I realize in hindsight, I don't know too much about the world once I introduce it besides that they were oppressed. Yeah, you just know they're oppressed and they don't trust surface dwellers because of that very oppression. Um, and I, it's just really disappointing because I think Ryan Coogler is an interesting filmmaker, but he's really stuck in a system that does not reward nuance or, in my opinion, a strong voice. Because you that have that system to, being Marvel or what? Marvel and then the Hollywood system within it you know, in and of itself. Hmm. The Marvel hmm. system, the, the way Marvel works, how it functions in terms of form and aesthetics is diametrically opposed to real emotion. So how could a film like this ever fully encapsulate and deal with grief in any sort of nuanced manner when that like breaks the mold of how these films work and what they seek to do? Talk more about that. I want to go deep on that because your review speaks to that a bit. You say that Marvel is just the wrong vehicle through which to portray grief. And this film was all about grief because of the Chadwick of it all. What do you mean by that? Well, in the sense that the way that Marvel looks at storytelling is that any emotion, any bad emotion can be overcome. And it's very simplistic in how they think of emotions. I think of, you know, Say, for example, WandaVision and that line that got quoted and, like, stretched all over the internet, what is grief but love persevering? What sort of corny-ass shit is that? I'm like, damn, y'all think this is some deep, beautiful, <laughs> like, uh, rich dissection of grief and the experience of it? It sounds like a fucking Hallmark card to me. I'm mm. sorry. Like, mm. And a big problem with these movies is, like, they don't care about acting necessarily. It's not the acting that matters so much as getting across a personality that audiences can glom onto. So, you know, I feel like a lot of the actors in some, you know, in a lot of ways they've talked about it, being in the dark about certain plot decisions, which I'm like, that will totally affect your performance if you don't know what's going on necessarily within the larger story. And so it's just like grief takes a few things, I think, to be properly and beautifully portrayed in film. And one of which is nuance, the other of which is good characterization and acting and giving the theme the space to breathe in a way that Marvel is just incapable of doing because it always has to move on to the next puzzle piece that they're interested in putting within this vast tapestry of bullshit they've created. Mm. Mm why was I afraid to tell my journalist friend that I didn't love this movie after that press screening? What is this mythical power Black Panther has over the culture where someone like me who loves to to tell you all about how I feel was kind of afraid for a while to say how I felt about this film? Well, I think for a lot of Black people and just Black culture as a whole, Black Panther fits into something that people have desired for a very long time. Black Panther gives us a fantasy, a very beautiful fantasy of Black culture with power and strength unmarred by Western white intervention and 
not only that, there's like a power and a beauty to them and, and a sense of family and home and all these things that I think black people think quite a lot about. And so people are very protective of Black Panther. And I think any slight to Black Panther becomes something more personal than most other properties who also trade on the power of representation. So I think it's very complicated emotionally and people are just really protective and don't want to say something ill of, of a movie, especially given that it's in honor of a man who died far too young and too early in his career and and it's an utter tragedy. So it's kind of complex emotional ground. But the thing is, I think people need to understand that a movie can be very well-intentioned and also not a good movie. Thanks again to Vulture critic Angelica Jade Bastian. Check out her review of Wakanda Forever on Vulture.com. And stay with us. After the break, we hear a different take from the New York Times' Wesley Morris. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. As you just heard, Angelica and I are on one side of Black Panther, but we're outnumbered. Wakanda Forever is getting a lot of great reviews. So, in the spirit of parody, let's hear one of those. From Wesley Morris, critic at large at the New York Times. Did you like Black Panther, the new one? I did. I did. I think it's a better movie than the first one. (sighs) Wow. Tell me more. Tell me more. Um, I think that there's something about the establishment of the world. Um, this is more coherent for one thing than the first one. The first movie had to work its like really crawl its way toward the establishment of the ideological stakes. Whereas in this one, it's just pretty clear. Once Namor pops up in Wakanda, it's he just lays it out. Here's the deal. Y'all need to find the scientist. (laughs) Bring her to me so I can kill her. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny to hear you say that you liked it. I kind of just thought that you weren't going to like it because I didn't like it. Oh, well, talk to me. I was telling my team this morning, I was like, I honestly would have just liked for anyone to like some new, fresh, serious A-plus actor blood to take on that role. I was like, you know what? Could we have gotten Jamie Foxx in there? He's T'Challa's brother. Black Panther? Yeah, I know he's already in the Marvel Universe, but I'm just saying, like, I would have rather seen another megawatt star take on the mantle mm. of Black Panther mm-hmm. than Letitia Wright, who is, I'm sure she's wonderful. I just don't think she fills out that role. I just don't see it. 
Well, I think that maybe by the time you get your third helping of these movies, she will have grown into the part. Um, but I also think Shuri as a character has a lot to learn about things that were like foreign to her, things she didn't have to deal with, like leadership. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. having yeah. an entire yeah. kingdom follow her instincts and like what good yeah. instincts are, which in this movie, she does not have. The movie is about she sure like doesn't. bad she instincts, sure does not. right? Oh my goodness. Um, she just, yeah. She I, seems immature. The character seems immature. Right. But the, I think the movie is about that immaturity. It's very much about her coming into her own as a leader. And let's just see where that goes for a third let's movie. But see. I also, okay. I don't know. I'm with you in terms of that possibly not being terribly dramatically interesting. But yeah. I also think these movies kind of operate on two mo in like two or three modes. But this is, but this, the, here's, here's where my beef comes. Like mm -hmm. the first one felt really moving for me mm -hmm. and it felt different and apart and like almost this religious experience. This one just, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same sparkle for me. Well, I mean, then, then it's a testament to the success of that first movie because, you know, it created something. Well, yeah. It definitely yeah. made it possible for about 12 or 13 other things to happen from the standpoint of how the industry thinks about what stories people want to see. I can't believe I watched a whole ass movie about Mesoamericans in dialogue with fictitious Africans. And they spent $250 million to make it? I mean, I don't know what Radical looks like in the MCU slash Disney universe, but this is this has to be one of the most radical acts of mass capitalism I have ever seen. I have like a larger emotional question about how we're allowed to feel about movies and franchises like Black Panther mm -hmm. because I had this weird moment when I went to go see it, Wesley. Mm. Usually I have no problem saying if I don't like some piece of popular culture, it's kind of my job to do that. You just lot. said it to me. I did after days of thinking about how to say it, though. Uh, like with this okay. film, I was afraid at first to say, uh, I don't think I like it. Do you feel that pressure to love a thing because it means so much with Black Panther? No. But the you pressure don't feel is it. old. I feel though. it. I feel Not, it. I feel like that pressure is, you know, we can go back to having people come out on Malcolm X's opening weekend, you know, the, the oh, conversation around, you know, like supporting a thing regardless of whether or not it was supporting a thing that black people made regardless of whether or not uh, it's good or bad. Boomerang, um, waiting to exhale. And I think now what we're talking about is, a, is, is blackness and black, you know, the pressure to keep, these stories being told on a larger scale, that pressure is even greater now because the obstacles to a green light feel higher because yeah. how is this going to play in every other country in the world? Um, but the pressure that you're feeling is that pressure to be grateful for a thing you were given because if you're not grateful, who knows if you'll get it again? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I understand that. Um, well, and I, it's... And, 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 and it's almost it's there's that pressure, mm -hmm. but I feel this other pressure when I talk with relatives even about this movie and what it means. It's not just we'll support it so there's more. It's almost as if like it's I'm not gonna religious experience sounds so not what I want to say, but that feels not it is, inappropriate. It's spirit. 
it's it's a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. and I feel I almost felt guilty for not having a spiritual experience that other black people said they had. Is that yeah, weird? No, but like, welcome here. This is the crux of the whole thing, right? This is welcome. Well, I mean, I'm not going to welcome you to being a Negro, but like, welcome to the experience. I mean, you know what it is. It is, it is this simultaneous um, understanding that we are in some ways, you know, ancestrally and circumstantially connected. And that connection is always threatening to make us reconsider our individual natures and what what you, Sam, like versus what Sam's people like. Well, that's it. And I think that that tension, we've always had it. We've always, always had it. This question of— But here's— Yeah. Yeah. How we show up, who, what, how we're represented, and how we feel about, about you know, just an actual artifact, an actual cultural object versus you know, the circumstances. Larger question here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're on different sides of this movie, but I think well, we I both think agree that it has different sides. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that we can both agree that. This kind of movie, this kind of franchise carries more pressure than other types of movies often do. Absolutely, yes. How bad should I feel about that pressure even existing, and does that ever change anytime soon? I don't think you should feel bad about it at all. I mean, the pressure has always existed. What the difference here is, is that we're looking at that, or that question and that tension is being, it's happening and unfolding at a level that the whole world gets to watch now. So the pressure is really about making something that feels palatable to people all over the world, but that ultimately feels true to whatever it is. And I have to say, having a movie, and I know this might not feel like a big deal to some people, but I will say, having a movie whose main white character, and he's a very, very supporting character, be addressed by every black person who comes in contact with him as colonizer, and it's a joke. That's deep. That did make me laugh. That did that, that did work for me. And every time I did it, I was like, there, that works for me. There's your comedy, and they know it. And okay. really, the dialogue Leslie, here. Leslie, you're gonna make me go watch this movie again. You're gonna I, make I, me go watch <laughs> this movie again. I'm just saying, again, like it as a, as as kind of politics, it's super duper interesting. It is trying, trying to undo all the stuff that that people like us, you and I, critics, thinkers, people who talk to other people for a living, have been wishing could have been different 120 years ago, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. It, that work is being at least reckoned with right now in this movie. That millions and millions of people are watching like three times a day. In some cases, I saw some story about somebody who watched it three times a day. <laughs> like, I, I just, I think we are at some very interesting inflection point where something, it's, I don't know if change is really the right word, but like a difference is being made in some way with respect to, you know, this country's entertainment and showbiz legacy. And okay. this movie okay. is consciously aware of that and is about that in, in some way. Thanks again to Wesley Morris. You can read his work over at the New York Times. Also, 
check out his podcast. It's called Still Processing, and it is very, very good. Culture Geist. Culture Geist. You're listening to Culture Geist. Culture Geist. I don't know, y'all. And now for a segment we're calling Culture Geist. About all the things we can't stop thinking about. The culture that's haunting you, haunting me, haunting all of us, for better or worse. Hi, my name is Victoria Benjamin. My culture geist uh, is, I cannot stop thinking about however many years ago when Lindsay Lohan was on a yacht in Greece and posted on Snapchat, RIP John McCain, feel better soon, XOXO, prayer hands. Hi, Sam. This is Sarah Welch Larson. I'm a freelance film critic out of Chicago. And my culture geist this year has been Avatar 2, The Way of Water. Specifically, I am haunted by the casting of Sigourney Weaver in Avatar 2, seeing as how she played a middle-aged scientist in the first Avatar, and now she has been cast as the 14-year-old adopted Navi child of Jake and Neytiri in Avatar 2. Dad, I know you think I'm crazy. So a 71-year-old, well-decorated actress is playing a 14-year-old blue space alien. That's her face on the movie poster. I am haunted by this. I don't know what to make of it, but I know that I will be there opening night. Hi, I'm Joel Grossman. I live in Los Angeles, and I have a funny cultural moment that comes back to me every year around Christmas time. I don't personally observe Christmas as a Jewish person, but I do hear the songs all the time. And whenever I hear the beautiful song, Silent Night, I think about the audition show of American Idol a few years back, where before the first episode, they showed some of the losers who couldn't make it onto the show. And the loser I thought was the funniest, and the one I think about all the time, is the man who sang Silent Night, like this. Silent Night. I said, silent night. That's all I'm doing from that. That's enough. Thanks again to Joel, or as he's better known around here, Gabby Grossman's dad. Also thanks to Sarah and Victoria. Listeners, do you have a culture geist? A thing in the culture that's been haunting you for days or weeks or even years? Share it with us. The more specific you are, the better. Just send us a short voice memo via email, intuit at vulture.com. Intuit at vulture.com. Also, if you like this show, and I sure hope you do, if you want to support it, we could use your help. Subscribe to Intuit on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us in the algo or whatever. I don't know. It helps. Trust. And most importantly, share this show with your friends. Like, tell your friends, IRL, hey, there's this podcast you might like. So this dude, Sam, it's fun, whatever. Check it out. Do that. It helps, seriously. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, and Jelani Carter. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hokeman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. And Hannah Rosen is the editorial director of audio at New York Magazine. Listeners, we are back next Thursday with a new episode. Till then, 
for better or worse, probably better. Wakanda forever. All right, bye. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.